Hello all and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. I am one of your hosts for today's episode, Cody Stoffer. And I am your other co-host here, Simon Voyanos, a.k.a. Coach V. And you know what time it is. If you've been tuning in on Fridays recently, you know that we've been doing end-of-the-year awards through each classification here. And this week, we got 3A awards here. And man, this this 3A classification was absolutely loaded this year. Isn't that right, Coach V? Yes, I mean, it always is. This is one of the most competitive classifications of football across the board. You know, so you got a lot of different players from a bunch of different programs. And uh, not only is that going to reflect on these, you know, end of the year awards, but it will reflect on our all playmaker team when we talk about that at the end. Absolutely. And we will remind everyone kind of that process. But let's stay focused here and talk about our end of the year awards if you're unfamiliar with how we do this. So for our end of the year awards, we have four candidates for each category here. The first one that we're going to talk about is newcomer of the year, which goes to the best freshman players of the you know, fall season here. Then we're going to jump to defensive playmaker of the year, which is pretty straightforward. Offensive playmaker of the year. And then end with MVP, AKA most valuable playmaker. We have four players from each one based off of a bunch of research that myself, coach V and our intern Gideon have all partook in and, you know, had discussions about and following building these candidate lists we go through and we cast votes and you the fans cast votes as well actually so if you've missed out on casting votes please make sure to find us at playmaker corner on twitter go ahead and follow us on there where we release the polls and actually by the time you're listening to this episode there are polls for 4a out so go ahead and go vote on those but i digress you know we have a fan vote here where we got hundreds of votes and so there is you know a fan elected player that you know i would say wins uh, what's a little bit of a category of its own winning the you know fan newcomer of the year or the fan most valuable playmaker that's an achievement in and of itself but the fan vote is actually one of five total votes here so that's how that is weighed then our intern gideon has a vote as well and we will be hearing from him and his reasonings on this episode and then anthony at mile high prep report also has his votes here we're going to read those off and also make sure to check out our link tree where we have mile high prep report he writes fantastic articles and does a great job covering colorado football and so you know he actually has you know his you know more reasoning behind players and explanations and articles and stuff like that as well as great coverage of the playoffs and everything inside and out of Colorado football, especially in smaller towns. And then Coach V and myself are also a part of the vote process. Whoever wins the most votes is then crowned the Playmakers Corner, Offensive Playmaker of the Year, Defensive Playmaker of the Year, etc., etc. And ties are decided by where the fan vote goes. Otherwise, if the fan vote does not align with where the tie is, we will have co-winners of that excluding most valuable playmaker coach v did i miss anything or can i crack open this soda can here and talk about our first category nope that seems about it there i do want to remind uh the fans out there that these stats i'm pretty sure are, are not including playoffs 
Uh, so these are all regular season stats because obviously some of these guys are, you know, balling out and doing their thing and all that great stuff right now in the playoffs. Uh, and 3A, they started the playoffs kind of late. So just keep that in mind when we uh, put out some of these stats and talk about them. So, yeah, but Cody, go ahead and get us started here. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, while we got all of our 3A fans here, what is the deal with you guys going a week after everyone? But anywho, uh, I digress a little bit. Our first category that we're going to discuss is Newcomer of the Year. As I previously mentioned, this goes to the most outstanding freshman of, you know, this past season in the 3A classification here. And we got some solid ones here for sure. And, you know, the first one that I'm going to talk about here is going to be Dylan Burns out of Durango. Now, Durango here is one of the highest seeds there, the number two seed, as a matter of fact, in the playoffs here. And they were partially aided by Dylan Burns, their freshman kicker here, who had himself a, a solid season, you know, not only contributing a couple of tackles and by a couple, I mean a few, three tackles and a fumble recovery, but the impressive part of his kicking here is out of 23 kickoffs, he was able to post nine touchbacks and go 37 of 38 on point after touchdown attempts here. Honestly, an incredible season. We've seen this kind of become a little bit more common here, seeing these freshmen get their chance on the varsity football squad and being a part of really important ones to this point so far. You know, you look back at our 1A episode and you had the lineman kicker. You look back at our 2A episode, we had TCA's kicker. And on this episode, Durango's kicker here in 3A representing for newcomer of the year. Coach V, do you want to talk about another candidate of this 3A newcomer of the year class? For the record, uh, that TCA kicker was not a newcomer of the year candidate at least i don't believe so no you're absolutely right i i fumbled the bag senior. on that one <laughs> that's okay that's all right but, but i'll ta talk about but another candidate yeah you just, I'll you talk just go for it i'll talk about another candidate here and uh that's jacob damage uh or damage i excuse me for not knowing how to say this because honestly i definitely knew how uh this is a kid that we have been following for at least a year now, maybe even a little bit longer. Um, used to play with that great Pueblo Predators squad. Shout out Coach Montez, uh, who used to coach him out there. But, you know, he's now at Canyon City playing running back. And he got some serious playing time this year at running back. I don't believe he was the full-time starter throughout the full season here. And so... These stats are pretty impressive here, but he ran for 574 rushing yards, four rushing touchdowns, also caught four balls for about 50 receiving yards. That's pretty good as a rotational player in that backfield over at Canyon City. I know Canyon City kind of had a tougher year, but, you know, with him at running back, he's a very talented guy out there. And, you know, he is probably going to look for a bigger role coming next year with a lot of those seniors graduating and whatnot. But he's definitely somebody that, you know, we've known about for a bit now. And there's no surprises, at least to us, there's no surprises that he's so successful over there. So there you go. And for these other candidates here, we're actually going to check and go the other direction of the compass here, head north here. And the one that I'm going to talk about is Dylan Doyon out of Roosevelt here. Now, Roosevelt High School is a name you're going to be hearing quite often throughout these awards. 
that's kind of what happens when you go undefeated and get the number one seed in 3A. But, you know, he legitimately contributed very solidly to this defense that was such a force this year and really embarrassed a lot of teams. And Doyon's contributions included the likes of 49 tackles, 13 tackles for loss, two sacks, and a forced fumble here. And, you know, he does obviously get a little bit of a benefit playing with so much other talent but for him to break through and still shine on this defense that has so many studs on it is really a testament to his playmaking ability yes and then the last finalist candidate i want to talk about here is jj marquez the freshman quarterback out of fort morgan uh had a very interesting season to say the least i believe they were going with trey romero the senior to start and it wasn't really until it looks like he played against brush on september 2nd uh didn't complete a pass though but he it looks like he got his first real start against frederick about a couple weeks later september 23rd there where he went 10 of 17 for 101 yards and a touchdown and since then you know he's he's had some pretty good snaps out here it looks like he eventually became the starter and he probably will be the starter moving forward after this year but on the year through for 623 passing yards six touchdowns to eight picks did run for 100 rushing yards but i believe they count sacks as uh like minus yards and stuff like that so that might not even be accurate those 100 rushing yards there he probably ran for a bit more but, you know, for him to step into this program that obviously was kind of rebuilding uh, on what they had left from their state championship team, you know, it's it's good for him to get some of these snaps here, some of these starting snaps, and at least get in there because he did do a solid job in uh, some of these games here. You know, it's just a matter of cleaning things up and all that stuff. And for him to do that, you know, without being named the starter early on in the offseason and all that great stuff, and without, you know, a lot of preparation, I would imagine, is uh is a pretty good deal so there you go there that is our last finalist for newcomer of the year cody let's go ahead and get to the votes do you want to talk about the twitter vote absolutely you know i i am the uh twitter bird of the pod uh i will i will say that and you know also just want to comment on jj marquez look out because when fort morgan has four years with the quarterback it could be around that time for another state ship. So future is bright in Fort Morgan, despite maybe not the season they were hoping for. But on the Twitter polls here, let's go ahead and take a look and go through. We had 565 votes. So thank you for tuning into that. Once again, if you're not a part of the polls yet, please go ahead and sign up on Twitter. Find us at Playmaker Corner. Give us a follow and stay tuned for more polls to come in 4A and 5A. But in this poll here, we had going in ascending order, Jake Ademek here at 5% of the vote. It was kind of hard to find some things to tag. But moving forward, uh, JJ Marquez collected a quarter of the vote at 25%. And then for first place, it was awfully tight within 2% here. But Dylan Doyon would just barely pass Dylan Burns, succeeding as the fan-elected 3A Newcomer of the Year at 36% to Burns's 34% here. 
But, you know, I do believe that there is going to be a different Dylan, uh, according to Gideon. Gideon, take it away. First, we're going to be having newcomer over the year in 3A. Uh, we have Dylan Doyon, Dylan Burns, Jake Adamic, and JJ Marquez. And for me, this one is pretty close between JJ Marquez and Dylan Burns. JJ Marquez, as quarterback, he, he ended up fighting for the job and had a good year with 469 passing yards and went 5 of 3. Dylan Burns of Durango has gone 43 of 44 this year on PATs, had three tackles, a fumble recovery, and 11 touchbacks and 29 kickoffs. The last time that he missed a PAT was in week 2. While QB is important to a program, it cannot be understated how important a good special teams unit is to a team. The 2014 Chargers were top three in offense and defense, and missed the playoffs because they had the worst special teams in the NFL. A QB leads the offense, but in a game where you need to hit a PAT to go out by a score to keep it close to a certain thing and a win, you need a reliable kicker. And that is exactly what Durango has found in Dylan Burns. The Demon Kicker has my vote. All right. Well, thank you, Gideon. I am going to go ahead and announce Anthony Garcia's pick. Um, like we said at the beginning, go ahead and check out Mile High Prep Report. He has his reasons there, I'm sure. But he's going to go with J.J. Marquez, the Fort Morgan quarterback. And, Cody, you are right. You know, uh, Fort Morgan, when they have time to develop their quarterbacks, they turn out pretty good. And so, uh, super, super positive um, that Marquez is going to get better, obviously, going to next year. And uh, could be a really good player, so I don't even blame him for that. But I am going to go ahead and uh, cast my vote here for Newcomer of the Year for D for Jake Adamich out of Canyon City, the running back. I mean, hey, I think he's going to be somebody that is going to go crazy going into next year. You know, once he gets the full workload as a sophomore, I think he could definitely crack 1,000 yards and at least double-digit touchdowns. This was only the beginning for him to do this, you know, in an offense that, you know, has Max Hagens and some other guys that were very good football players is really impressive. So there you go there. It is split four ways between uh, the four voters so far. Cody, who are you going to vote for? And who's our newcomer of the year for the 3-8 level? Tied at one apiece across the board, just the way I like to see it. And as the <laughs> announcee of newcomer of the year, I'm going to announce that your Playmakers Corner newcomer of the year from the 22 season is Dylan Doyon of Roosevelt High School. Look, this is, you know, a school that you're going to hear over and over again, like I said, throughout this episode. And honestly, probably anytime we do a 3A awards episode, you're going to hear about Roosevelt High School. So to hear about a freshman that breaks onto the scene the way that he has and do the things that he has done on such a high caliber defense and to be able to be coachable and learn the game as fast as he has is very, very impressive. And he's just shined in ways that I didn't think a freshman could necessarily on this defense here. And so I am very, very impressed by everything that he has accomplished here. And, you know, I know that 
uh, postseason is not completely a part of the conversation since not everyone had that opportunity. But to see that he can still do his thing in the postseason, adding on tackles and tackles for loss, a tackle for loss in his postseason game is very encouraging for this Roosevelt defense. And I really think that he's going to be that guy by the time he reaches his senior year. He's going to be the face of this Roosevelt team. And that is a high caliber level of praise. And it is well deserved here for Dylan Doyon out of Roosevelt. Coach V, what is your reaction to Dylan Doyon being announced as the 22 newcomer of the year in 3A? First off, very well deserving. Congrats, Dylan. Uh, seems like a great kid out there. And you know what? I'm pretty sure he was the lead tackler in their uh, first round playoff game against Discovery Canyon. And so there you go. You know, putting in work when it matters in the playoffs there. And look, Roosevelt, they are a program that will play the best players available. Whether they're underclassmen or not, we've seen this before. Uh, Anthony Munoz, that was somebody they played as an underclassman at line, by the way. Uh, Tucker Peterson is somebody uh, reigning MVP, but also has played since his freshman year. And so Dylan is just the next guy up here to carry on that mantle of impressive freshman from Roosevelt. Also, I'm just going to throw this out there. I believe Roosevelt is the first program, at least in Playmakers Corner history, to have a potential finalist or award winner in all of the categories. Yeah, I, I don't Would think Would you look at that? Yeah. I, I don't think there has been either. And that's saying I, something because Lyman has been, I'd say Lyman is probably the only one that's been as close to that. Yeah, Lyman has I'm definitely gotten back. close. But, so. I mean, that's that's... You know, that's a shout out to how good this Roosevelt program is and a, a testament to how good uh, Coach Wassinger out there is as well. You know, getting the most out of his guys all playing well. So there you go. We have plenty more Roosevelt Rough Riders to talk about here. Uh, Cody, do you have anything more to say or should we move on to Defensive Playmaker of the Year? History fact, uh, Roosevelt named after Teddy Roosevelt. There you go. <laughs> okay, so right, I'm going to go, go ahead, ahead and talk about and talk defensive about... playmaker of the year. <laughs> okay, uh, real self-explanatory goes to the best defensive players. A lot of guys that I feel like we had to leave out. A lot of linebackers that we definitely had to leave out. But, you know, we're going with guys that were very disruptive uh, up front on the defensive side of the ball. And so the first guy, the first finalist I'm going to talk about is Elizar Valencia here. Um, like I said, if I'm mispronouncing that first name or whatever, excuse me on that. But Valencia here, he has been big time for this Roosevelt team. You know, and this is a Roosevelt team that has had to replace some defensive players, linebackers from last year, edge rushers, all that great stuff. And so for Valencia to hop in here and have such a great season is, is big time. And we got to watch him live against Northridge, and he did his thing. On the season, though, 54 tackles, 24 tackles for a loss, which is insane, and 11 and a half sacks. I believe he is up there as one of the sack leaders in 3A, but just very disruptive off the edge and definitely a gamer for this Roosevelt defense. So there you go, Eliza Valencia. 
Cody, do you have another finalist to talk about here? Oh, you know that I do, Coach V. And this is a guy that I also have gotten to see live here. And that is Jirai Vaughn out of George Washington High School. This George Washington team definitely was a tough out last year as far as missing the postseason. But they have more than made up for it this year. And Jirai Vaughn has done a massive job, uh, or a great job, I should say, of helping lead that not only is he the tackle leader for this or one of the tackle leaders for this washington high school team but he's one of the top tacklers in the state at defensive tackle registering 109 tackles 15 tackles for loss nine sacks and three fumble recoveries being a very heads up player i got to see him in the snow and this is a guy who plays both ways for this George Washington team and it can't be overstated I mean he's fantastic at line like he gets pancakes you know multiple times on a set of downs let alone what he's asked to do playing both ways in that Frederick game he recorded 18 total tackles which is just I mean it was freezing his hand was in the snow every single down, but he never gave up and was a huge part of the league title that George Washington brought home and is a huge reason why George Washington is a low-key, high-key uh, dark horse for you know contending on the 3A level here. But Coach V, I know that you got some more candidates coming up. Yes, we do. I'm going to go ahead and talk about Dominic Butts here. Uh, he played for Severance. Severance, a team that moved up uh, from 2A to 3A this year. And last year in 2A, Dom here, he was a beast. And then going into 3A, it really didn't change. His stats are pretty much similar. I, I want to say he was a deep boy candidate on the 2A level last year. Uh, I want to say that. Or at least maybe he was on the cusp there. But... On the year this year, he had 91 tackles, 14 tackles for loss, 9 sacks, 4 fumble recoveries, and 1 forced fumble. Standing at 6'6", 230 plus pounds off that edge, he was an absolute force and a handful for a lot of squads. He will be missed by Severance pretty dearly here. You know, it's a shame that Severance didn't have a better season. It was definitely an adjusting year for him, uh, for all of them, but... Things really didn't change for Dom as he was as consistent as can be. So there you go. Cody, do you want to talk about our last one here? Yeah, our last one here is a member of the secondary in Northridge's very own Jaden Marquez here. Not only a guy that we've talked about from, you know, games that we've attended on the offensive side of the ball, but also the leading interceptor in 3a here or i guess at this point the co-leading interceptor but at the time of this recording i'm pretty sure he stood alone at eight interceptions on the season while also registering 39 tackles here when you look at some of the talent that northridge faced this year there were some pretty solid quarterbacks in the mix here but that would not deter Jaden Marquez from having good games. I mean, look, Northridge was a team that played a 5A squad this year and won, which is, you know, first off, there's not that big of a gap as we've come to find out. But I mean, he's had some very solid games and, you know, in a very close win over Thompson Valley is one that I look to where he recorded two interceptions. 
And, you know, those interceptions were both very necessary to beat one of the top 10 teams in the state in Thompson Valley. So, you know, that is very clutch here. He helped show the other Greeley teams who runs Greeley. And, you know, he had another very, I mean, he had another critical interception, you would say, and a very tight win over Mountain View. This defense kind of came and went as Jaden Marquez did. And that's why he's one of our depoy candidates. And with that being said... I am going to go ahead and talk about how the Twitter polls went in ascending order once again. So for our 22 defensive playmaker of the year, as decided by the fans, Dry Vaughn collected 10% of the votes. Dominic Butts had 17% of the votes and Jada Marquez had 30% of the votes, but none of the 449 votes would come close to sniffing Elazar Valencia's playmaker defensive playmaker of the year crown as according to the fans here at his you know whopping 43 percent congratulations to elazar valencia and congratulations to the roosevelt crowd for showing up and crowning the second rough rider to be crowned the fan selection of a end of the year award here but, you know, let's go ahead and jump over to Gideon and see who he has for Defensive Playmaker of the Year here in this 22 season. Next up, we're going to have 3A Defensive Playmaker of the Year. And for me, it is between Jaden Marquez and Jarai Vaughn. Uh, Marquez's eight interceptions, eight, are tied for most in the state. And it cannot be understated how important it is to have somebody that can cover like that. Additionally, doing that at five foot four is insane. For me, though, Jarivon has to take it. 109 tackles, 15 tackles for loss, nine sacks, and three fumble recovers. On a team as evenly loaded as George Washington has been this year, you need a solid defensive player like that. And yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it to Jarivon. All right, and thank you, Gideon. I'm going to go ahead and read off Anthony Garcia's pick for Defensive Playmaker of the Year, and he will also go Jarai Vaughn from George Washington. So there you go there. Uh, Cody, do you want to read off your vote or say your vote and why? Yeah, I'm all for it here. And I am going to go with the member of the secondary representing in this deep white conversation with Jaden Marquez. I mean, look, eight interceptions on any level of football is very special. But I mean, to be able to do that on three level against the competition that he would go against and the vintage games that he had and, you know, something else that's not tallied here or written down in our stat sheet because it just wasn't recorded was pass deflections but he recorded critical pass deflections in games that we actually attended as well in that evergreen game that was very critical to their seating in the postseason and even though the result wasn't quite what Northridge wanted against Roosevelt here he was still very important and his presence was missed on both sides of the ball but you know he was definitely I mean, there's a difference with him in the game in the secondary, whether it was him communicating and making sure that other guys had their assignments or whether he was drawing those tough assignments and those routes that Roosevelt likes to run. There was a huge difference with him in versus him out of the game. And that is why Jaden Marquez is my defensive playmaker of the year here. Coach V, 
There's a couple of different ways you could go. Well, exactly four different ways you could go. But what does that mean for our 22 Defensive Playmaker of the Year? Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and cast my vote for the Defensive Playmaker of the Year uh, here in 2022 on the 3A level. That's Jirai Vaughn out of George Washington here. Look at defensive tackle. Had 109 tackles. That is really hard to do. Uh, at defensive tackle so he has been an absolute game record also you know 15 tackles for lost nine sacks he was very active and you know like i said that's extremely hard for any sort of defensive lineman or edge rusher to do here and so i gotta give it to the george washington george washington guy here in vaughn i think he's very well deserved haven't seen him play yet and he i think at the time we're recording this he is gonna have probably his biggest Oof, one of his biggest assignments and opponents here uh, coming up against Durango where he's going to probably go face-to-face -face with Joshua Bates, the Oklahoma commit, who is a nasty center uh, himself. And so we'll see how that goes. But for now, I got to go with Jirai Vaughn out of George Washington. He's your 2022 3A Defensive Playmaker of the Year. Cody, what do you think about that? You got to see him play live. I think it's a great selection. I think it's very well-deserved. Uh, obviously, kudos to all the candidates here, Jirai, Dominic, Jaden, and Elazar. But Jirai here, he does shine through. I was going back and forth on who I would select. I will admit that, you know, as a receiver slash secondary guy, I am impartial to guys like Jaden Marquez. But I gotta shout out our big guys getting it done up front. And, I mean, seriously, these numbers that he puts up are ridiculous for a defensive tackle i'm not even gonna lie they are otherworldly including against some really good teams i mean or you know against teams in higher classifications even is a good way to put it and he's somebody who can get his paw up there and you know bat some passes down he has a couple of pass deflections on the season like against far northeast and denver north um denver north being a 3a team but i mean you know, having a very crazy game in Aurora Central where he recovered two fumbles, also forcing one. And his peak is amongst the highest of any defensive player in Colorado, I'd say. I mean, a four-sack performance from interior D-line against Hinkley is just absurd. And like I said, he plays on both sides of the ball, so his gas tank just never runs out. And you love a guy with that kind of motor being able to get it done and be an integral part of this G-Dub squad. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I don't know if he has any college offers, but he's definitely a next level guy. Uh, it's not like he's Easily. like a yeah. It's not like he's like a five eight, you know, two hundred pound wrestler or anything like that. Like he's a pretty big. Like I'm pretty sure he's like six two, six one, two seventy, right, Cody? So he has the size. For he's it. not small. <laughs> I'll, no. I'll tell you that much. No. He makes he makes other players who aren't small look small, though. Oh, my gosh. There's this. Oh, man. He, he was bullying some people on that Frederick line. That's, I'll leave it at that because I could go into more detail. But find that recap on whatever episode that is if you want to really hear how destructive he can be. Yes, you could listen to that. I believe that was two episodes ago. You could listen to that there. And, uh, I mean, best of luck against Durango. I, I do want to see how he does against uh, Joshua Bates. You know, one of the best offensive linemen, not only in the state, but the entire country. Arguably the best center in the entire country. So, 
Good luck with that. We'll see how that goes. But here on the podcast, we're going to go ahead and move on to Offensive Playmaker of the Year. I'm going to talk about the first candidate here, and that is Riken Doggard, the junior quarterback out of Lutheran. Uh, this was his first year starting. Clayton Jacobs obviously starting the last couple years, but I got to see Riken play here against Pueblo East, and he lit them up. He had some very good throws, uh, not only in the clean pockets and on the run, but under pressure. He threw some dots under pressure in perfect spots in stride in that game. That really sold me on him, and so I'm happy that he's here as a finalist on the year. Threw for 2,058 passing yards, 21 touchdowns to six picks. Also had two rushing touchdowns as well. Uh, he has ran this offense very efficiently. Somehow they're faster than they were last year, and you know, this is only the floor. He's going to get better as he does have one more year. He's only a junior, so there you go. But Cody, do you want to talk about another Another offensive playmaker of the year candidate yeah i'm gonna talk about a guy that i saw uh also in pueblo however this was for pueblo not against pueblo in the sophomore tailback amari brown here he helped the historic rivalry he helped the wildcats ring the bell blue in the centennial versus central game and i mean this guy was just absurdly dominant and could do anything that was asked of him by this wildcat offense i mean on the season here he ran for 1250 yards on only 147 carries so he's averaging almost a first down every single time he touched the ball here he had nine touchdowns and i mean he was the heart and soul of this central offense i mean look they lost four games this year he was a part of two of those but the ones at the end of the season that you know, had the Wildcats miss the playoffs here, they were without him. And if that doesn't attest to just how important, because I mean, Central was going to make the playoffs. They only had to win basically one of these last two games to go seven and three here against Harrison, who eventually did make the playoffs and Pueblo South, who struggled all year. But Amari Brown, without Amari Brown, the Wildcats just weren't the same. So for him to be the offense is a huge reason why he's an offensive playmaker of the year candidate. And uh, you can make the argument for probably this next guy. Is that right, Coach V? Well, yeah, for <laughs> for all the finalists here. But I'm going to go ahead and talk about Xavier Ramirez, the Roosevelt running back here on the year. Had 1,326 rushing yards and 19 rushing touchdowns. And he was basically in a split backfield here with Ryan Doucette as well. And plus Bronco Hartson, I mean, he's going to run the ball too. And so for him to do that uh, with Roosevelt is big time. And we got to watch him against Northridge. And he had some very sweet runs that, uh, first off, I got on video. So love to see that. And, you know, he was just like he was tough he has great vision you know he's shifty and all that and he's only a junior i believe as well a lot of potential for him moving forward um it will be interesting to see how next year uh pans out considering they are losing some weapons on the offensive side of the ball but xavier ramirez an absolute gamer a great running back one of the top running backs in the entire state playing for Roosevelt High School. And by the way, pretty sure he had a good game against Highlands Ranch, a 5A team as well. Right, Cody? And then also, do you want to talk about the uh, last finalist here? 
Yes, yes, and yes, Coach V. Absolutely. Xavier Ramirez was an absolute dog this year. And, I mean, he, he's a part of one of the most lethal offenses in all of football, as evidenced by their win over a 5A squad in Highlands Ranch that, you know, was just outside the playoffs by, like, one spot, maybe? Um, so, you know, he, he's got that going for him. And, uh, yeah, but that was... I remember covering that story and hammering it into listeners' heads, specifically higher classifications, that, hey, there's ballers on every level of football, and they will ball right on your head if you're trying to overlook them. But on to our next candidate, our last candidate here for Offensive Playmaker of the Year here. We have, I'm pretty sure, uh, one of our only... um, one of our only guys to crack into the case here out of Littleton and they had one of their best seasons it probably in my lifetime this past year in huge part thanks to Bryson Malanga here he was on pace to lead probably the entire state in rushing with a completely healthy season with just an absurd explosive ballistic unhinged running style there's plenty of adjectives to use here but none quite like just watching him tear it up on the field. On the season, 1,191 yards on only 156 carries, a long of 87, 16 touchdowns, including two five-touchdown per... That's disrespectful to laugh. Two five-touchdown performances against the likes of Alameda and Skyview, and then a four-rushing touchdown performance against Inglewood, where he was averaging almost 11 yards per carry here absolutely absurd helped this lions offense average 24 points per game by scoring more than 24 points just by himself a few times 24 or more points by himself three times here this season and yeah just being an absolute force for the lions here coach v is there anything that you need to tag on here before i talk about our twitter polls no, not really. I do just want to throw out there um, a lot of great running backs on this level. A lot of great running backs. So there are plenty that we had to hold out. And, I mean, just a lot of great performances. We have we have a lot of honorable mentions. Uh, make sure you check out our graphics if you want to see all of them. But, Cody, you could go ahead and talk about the Twitter polls here. Yeah, absolutely. Just want to repeat what Coach V said. It, this was hard. Like, between most valuable playmaker and offensive playmaker, it was kind of a nightmare <laughs> to decide who is going to be, you know, winning these awards here. Um, also, shout out Coach Wes of uh, Prep Red Zone for putting us on to Bryson since he got a chance to work with that young athlete over at Littleton uh, when he coached over there. But, anyways, moving forward here, let's go ahead and talk about our Twitter polls to see who was the fan-elected Offensive Playmaker of the Year here. We had a couple of good submissions. So in ascending order, Amari Brown at 11%. Amari, build a Twitter. Come on, bruh. Uh, Bryson Malanga at 17%. And then this one was also decided by only 2%. Very tight race here. But Xavier Ramirez would fall just 2% short of your fan-elected Offensive Playmaker of the Year. Riken Doggard here out of Lutheran High School here, leading that high-profile offense. Now, moving on to Gideon to talk about his Offensive Playmaker of the Year candidate. 
Next up, we have Offensive Playmaker of the Year for 3A. And for Opoi, I'm going to have to go with Riken Daggard. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. But one thing I'm not mispronouncing is 2,000 passing yards, 21 touchdowns to only 6 interceptions, and 23 tutties total. That is an insane stat line. And on the 3 seed, too. The other candidate I thought about heavily was Xavier Ramirez, with 19 TDs and over 1,300 yards. However, he's on a team with Tucker Peterson, so he shared that offensive load, while Daggard is the head of that Lutheran offense. I, I have to give it to Daggard for being able to orchestrate that offense on three seed. All right. Thank you, Gideon. So that is two votes for Riken here. Uh, Anthony Garcia of Mile High Prep Report will go ahead and cast his vote for Xavier Ramirez, the standout running back out of Roosevelt there. So there you go. And I, I'm not even going to lie. I, I've went back and forth on who I wanted for Offensive Playmaker of the Year. I think two distinctions I made is that Bryson and Amari, they kind of they fell off a little bit near the end, just didn't play in as many games as, well, either of their finalists slash opponents here. Um, so that kind of hurts them. But it is what it is. That's part of it, right? And so... For me, it was between Riken and Xavier Ramirez, and I think I'm going to go ahead and go with Xavier Ramirez here. In the first, and, I, and here's where I'm coming from here. In the first playoff games that these two players played in, uh, Riken struggled a little bit, you know, and so I am going to kind of hold that against him and whatnot because you got to play well, and they still blew them out. It wasn't like it was a close game. You know, they still blew them out. That's how talented this Lutheran team is. But, you know, you got to play well when it matters. Xavier Ramirez, I mean, I know they're playing the 16th seed, but he had like five touchdowns or something crazy in that game. He was basically the offense for Roosevelt there. And so I'm going to go ahead and cast my vote for Xavier Ramirez. Like I said, this is it was tough narrowing it down to four. It was even tougher picking one. But I'm going to go ahead and vote for Xavier Ramirez. So it's tied uh, right now between Riken Doggard and Xavier Ramirez. Cody, who are you going to vote for for Offensive Playmaker of the Year? Well, Coach V, you've definitely put me in a tough spot here. I kind of thought you are going to cast the deciding vote here, but you've tied it all up for me, and now I'm expected to put it into a nice, pretty bow here. And sometimes pretty bows can look a little rough, and I think that that is going to make this bow here. Xavier Ramirez, our 22 Offensive Playmaker of the Year, look. Like Simon, like Coach V said here, Xavier's ceiling of dominance does not really stop or falter depending on the competition. And I think that the best example of that is when we cut to witness live what he did to what was our like number two or three power ranked team in Northridge when he blew that game open, absolutely knocking the doors down. And ripping off some of his biggest runs. And also having his second highest average yards per carry. Or, no, not his second. Sorry about that. Uh, But having a ridiculously high yards per carry. And 7.4 yards per carry in that huge Northridge win. Ripping off a long run of 44 yards. 
down that right sideline that was just, like I said, putting a bow on that game. It's something that he does. He's relentless. He's fast. He's super explosive. And he is your 2022 Playmaker of the Year. Coach V, uh, did you have the same level of suspense as myself for my own vote here? And what is your reaction to the final casting? Obviously, congratulations to all the other candidates as well that would have made this even harder uh, with more complete seasons. Well, here's the crazy part. So, Raikin, Xavier, and Amari are all coming back next year. Raikin and Xavier, both the juniors. And so, going into next year, they're probably the front runners uh, as our MVP candidates. So, we'll see what happens there. Amari Brown, um, last year, I don't think he won Newcomer of the Year. I believe that was Zayden Stevens. But Amari Brown was a Newcomer of the Year candidate, and he's gotten better. And he's proved himself um, these last couple... uh, I mean, these last couple games, obviously, and he's definitely somebody that could potentially be an MVP candidate as well. So I'm really happy to be able to see another season of all of these guys competing and playing here. Uh, Super happy for Xavier Ramirez. I mean, you know, you've heard of Heisman moments. He had his offensive playmaker of the year moment. I'll always remember it down the right sideline, right in front of me here. Made a couple guys miss, accelerated for a nice 30, 40 plus yard touchdown to go ahead and put away a pretty good Northridge team in like the second quarter, I want to say. And I mean, he's he's been dominant, man, and he runs behind a great line. I'm sure he would give them a lot of credit, and uh, we will give them credit here later when we talk off or not offensive playmaker of the year, all playmaker teams. Uh, but, you know, no surprises here. Xavier Ramirez, your offensive playmaker of the year, is very well deserving of that. So, uh, so yeah, there you go. Another Rough Rider. Yes, sir. But, uh, Coach V, does that leave the door open for me to talk about the creme de la creme here, the most valuable playmaker of 3A? Yes, we got a couple. Go ahead. This one is also going to be rough. I'm not even going to lie. This one's going to be rough. It's going to be close. And it starts with, actually, our MVP from last year, Tucker Peterson of Roosevelt. There there they are, 4 of 4 in the categories, the Rough Riders here. So, uh, yeah, just, just keep doing what you're doing. But on the year here, and on actually our only non well our only receiver to win an end of the year award uh or at least an mvp and that's groundbreaking because i mean gosh the nfl hasn't even gotten to that point yet but anyways tucker peterson here 601 receiving yards 11 receiving touchdowns 291 return yards but then it's even what he was able to do on defense. Look, last year he was more of a cornerback. This year they asked him to be the anchor, to be the safety. And at that position, he still delivered as well. 31 tackles, two tackles for loss, a hurry. Ugh, gosh, he could, is there anything he can't do? Two interceptions, three pass reflections, a fumble recovery, a field goal block, 226 punt yards because literally, is there anything he can't do? And a two-point conversion as well. And the crazy part of all of this is even with all these loaded numbers, you might be able to classify this as a down year from his MVP year last year, and he was still good enough to be one of the finalists here for Most Valuable Playmaker. Absolutely 
bonkers performance and season from Tucker Peterson, who just received his PWO to CSU, so congratulations on that. And, might I add, has become your Colorado all-time touchdown receiving leader as of this weekend against Discovery Canyon. And he's not done yet, so stay tuned for how much he's going to put a gap between him and the next receiver here. Coach V, who's our next candidate? First off, yes, congrats, Tucker Peterson. He's the reigning MVP for a reason, and he is in this conversation for a reason. So there you go. But the next guy I'm going to talk about here is Ryan Kenny out of Lutheran here. On the year, ran for 995 rushing yards, 17 rushing touchdowns, um, had a couple receptions as well, but on defense at linebacker, he was a game wrecker, 80 tackles, 13 tackles for loss, 5 sacks, 3 hurries, 1 pick, 3 pass deflections, a fumble recovery, Ryan Kenny did it all here, you know, last year, he was behind the standout player that is Dorian Pacheco and Ryan Kenny really kind of just took his role after Pacheco graduated and he has ran with it and done a very good job got to see him play against Pueblo East uh that was the only time I got to see Lutheran play to be honest with you so there you go but he had some very good runs where he would just rip off like long run after long run he's the definition of a home run hitter and he's definitely somebody that we're gonna have to consider for our top five senior running backs this year which is gonna be really hard to do i'm not even gonna lie but you know for now he's an mvp candidate he has been the engine to this lutheran offense when they haven't been able to pass the ball as well he has stepped up as a runner and then on defense he brings so much speed at linebacker so there you go ryan kenny out of lutheran cody do you want to talk about another finalist here yeah, I'll go ahead and talk about another finalist. And something that I also want to say about all of these finalists is that they are still in the playoffs as of the time this episode is coming out. So I don't mind factoring in playoff performances because all of them have had their chance for one. And this is another athlete that is going to make our top five senior running backs list a literal nightmare. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Um way way down the road from now not okay not way way down the road but anyways let's go on and talk about Celis Honeycutt Jr. Marcellus Honeycutt Jr. Selly self-made whatever he goes by whatever you know him as he is a dynamic playmaker one that I got to see literally take over an entire game live and somebody who has only improved from his performances last year where he was also a candidate in case you don't remember Look, last year he put on a show, 1,417 rushing yards, 195 receiving yards, all the stuff that he did on defense, all the stuff that he did returning the ball. He was like a 2K total yardage kind of guy here. He had 60 tackles last year, a ton of interceptions, ton, ton of interceptions. He didn't have as many this year because that's what happens when you're an MVP. You get a bunch of interceptions as a junior, they just stop throwing at you. And so, Salas here is definitely somebody to consider at multiple positions here, and that's what makes him so dangerous. And even with the entire state on notice here for Salas, he was still able to put on some absurd games here. And look, to this point in the season, including his performance against Holy Family, he has 1,193 yards. And even before this performance against Holy Family, his game against Frederick was 
one of the best performances that Colorado has probably ever seen from an individual player. I'm willing to go that far in that tie in that league winning game against Frederick. 11 carries, 301 yards, five touchdowns, returning the ball for a bunch of yards here. He's catching the ball throughout this season for a career high 442 receiving yards. He's recorded a bunch of touchdowns here. He's literally a force of nature here. And that was even before the Holy Family game. Another game where he willed himself and this Washington team to victory over a higher-seeded Holy Family squad. And that's what MVPs do. That's what MVPs do. And there's another MVP who has willed their team to quite an impressive season here. Coach V, if you have any notes on Celis Honeycutt Jr., go ahead and add them on now before introducing our last MVP candidate. Nah, I don't got any notes, but he is committed to Eastern Washington, uh, a D1 here. Sucks that UNC couldn't do anything about it, but whatever. It is what it is. Um, I guess we'll, I mean, regardless, we're going to enjoy watching him on the next level. It just sucks that uh, he's going to probably run for 300 yards on Northern Colorado in two years. So, you know, or something like that. Well, anyways, let's talk about another MVP candidate, our last one here, the Evergreen senior quarterback, Tommy Poholsky. Uh, first things first, excellent story. You know, what a kid. He took over at quarterback last year, did his thing. Going into this year, you know, he's gotten better, and he's put his team, Evergreen, in situations to win ball games. Got to see him against Northridge, got to see him against Green Mountain. I really doubt, I really doubt Evergreen's ability to even have a chance at beating either of those teams without Tommy Poholsky here. But on the season, threw for 1,908 passing yards, 31 touchdowns, 5 picks, also had 210 rushing yards, 6 rushing touchdowns. I believe Tommy holds a couple records for Evergreen as well. Uh, touchdowns in a season, touchdowns in a game. He had one game where he threw for like 7 or 8 touchdowns, something crazy like that. You know, and on top of that, like I said, he's had some late game heroics here. Um, not quite able to finish, not completely his fault against Northridge. You know, he got them out of that hole. And unfortunately, they just didn't. I, I don't know what they were doing there, but they didn't allow him to win that game uh, at the end. So there was that. But he did get them out of that hole because it looked like Northridge was about to run away with that one. And then against Green Mountain, you know, that was a very tough grinded out game. Went down to double overtime. Unfortunately, you know, he came up just a yard or two short on that scramble at the end, trying to reach for the pylon there. But man, is this kid a competitor, a gamer. He does so much for his team here. Um, and I'm not even going to lie, if he won those games against Green Mountain and Northridge, and it's not just on him, it's a team game, obviously. But if he did. Obviously, his MVP candidacy would be a lot stronger, and I think it might even be obvious who the MVP would be if he did. So, um, and Evergreen would have the second seed in the postseason. Yeah, they would. They would be higher than where they are right now. So there's imagine that. catching the football. I said, as a receiver coach who is literally trying not to bite through his tongue during some of these moments. But anyways, anyways. it's about Tommy here. It's about Tommy here. You know, and he's very well deserving of this nomination. 
So there you go. But Cody, you want to go ahead and read off the Twitter votes one last time for this episode? One more time. Absolutely here. This Twitter poll was very, very close, honestly. 474 votes. And we, in ascending order, have Ryan Kenny at 17%. Tommy Poholski at 19%. Celis Honeycutt Jr. at 20%. But up, up, and away here. Trying to win this one for their guy for a second year in a row here. Tucker Peterson is your fan vote. 3A MVP, which, I mean, look, if you look at it like two separate categories like I do, I mean, the fan vote is one of five votes for the PMC overall award, but for the PMC fan vote, that would make Tucker Peterson the only, well, two-time award winner slash the, well, the first one, I should say, since we do these in 1A through 5A, and then additionally, the only back-to-back MVP uh, in that case, but there's still a lot to be decided about here. So I'm going to go ahead and pass it over to Gideon to talk about his vote for most valuable playmaker. Finally, my top two and MVP for three a this year are Tucker Peterson of Roosevelt and Celis Honeycutt Jr. out of George Washington. Honeycutt Jr. was a beast on both sides of the ball. And it's the type of player that every team wishes they had. You want a guy who can run it? He can do it. You want a guy who can catch? Done. Rip it up on special teams? Sure. Get tackles? Boom. Deflect passes? Of course. He's a jack-of-all-trades on an Elite 8 quality team. Honeycutt Jr. took a cut out of 3A this year. Tucker Peterson tore it up on the best team in 3A, and broke Christian McCaffrey's receiving touchdown record and became the first Colorado receiver to ever catch over 50 touchdowns in a career. It is extremely close for me between these two, but I have to give it to Sellis Honeycutt Jr. The type of power and play on both sides of the ball that I am seeing from our Sellis Honeycutt Jr., I mean, you, you know me. You know I love players that can go both ways and are really effective at doing so. And Salas Honeycutt, he's about... he He's probably top 10 in two-way players in the entire state. And in 3A, yeah, he's, he's the best two-way player. So as such, I'm going to have to give this to him. All right, Gideon, (laughs) keeping it interesting here, making it one and one. Also, Coach V, after Gideon's vote here, it has me thinking about how you're saying UNC couldn't quite snag Celis here. And is it a Playmakers Corner episode where we analyze players if we don't talk about how miserable it is to watch uh, UNC recruiting? It's not. They've won after players before that we've talked about, though. So there you go. Um, but this one, this one hurt especially. So moral of the story, fans, keep complaining and maybe you'll get what you want or maybe yes. someone will listen. But uh, Coach V, what about our guy Anthony here? Yeah, so Anthony Garcia will go ahead and vote for a different MVP candidate here and uh, choose Ryan Kenny, the Lutheran running back here. Uh, like I said, go ahead and check out Mile High Prep Report 
all of his reasonings are there and all that great stuff plus he does some great things for small town sports here in colorado so there you go cody do you want to go ahead and cast your vote here for mvp yeah i'm gonna go ahead and muddy the water even a little bit more here and i'm gonna cast my vote for my guy tommy paholski here look i mean he had some very big shoes to fill all right griffin loritano was on our top five senior list a couple years ago we had some question marks about tommy coming in last year helped this evergreen team make the playoffs where you know they kind of got they got bounced early and he learned from that he paid attention to the film breakdown that i got to do of him he's very pleasant you know very well spoken met in real life and boy has he laid it all on the line this season and has he you know despite those two losses he is delivered as much as you can ask out of any one player he wears his heart on his sleeve and he throws it into defenders shoulder first as well uh look 379 yards on the rushing totals 2293 yards on the passing totals here a combined 42 42 total touchdowns so he's in the 40 plus touchdown club of colorado high school football that is a pretty elite club to be in and also just very very effective here not turning the ball over only having six total interceptions on the season here having absolutely ludicrous qbrs of the likes of 160 169 nice 160 148 and a handful of 90s here and you know once again delivering when they needed him to the most in a win against thompson valley to give evergreen their first first round playoff win in quite some time here because i know that they didn't have it last year and they did not have it the year of griffin loritano because of that suspension so you know he has really just electrified this evergreen town here and he is somebody who i absolutely love rooting for and he gives us good reason to both as as an athlete but also as you know a person here like coach v said multiple records i feel like he may be the best player in evergreen history which is crazy because that's something that i was just saying about griffin loritano a couple years ago and tommy took that he knew what to model his game after and he elevated his game astronomically to exceed those levels here but that leaves the final vote here for coach v he's heard gideon's reasoning he's heard the fans he's heard anthony he's heard myself but he's also looked within himself and is now going to tell us who is your 2022 playmakers corner most valuable playmaker on the 3a level all right and so your 2022 3a most valuable playmaker of the year is marcellus honeycutt jr the running back out of george washington look this one was close i i'm just gonna be honest if tommy and evergreen because this really isn't tommy's fault i would probably blame evergreen a little bit more but if tommy poholski and those guys won those two games against northridge or green mountain or won one of those games i think i for sure would have voted for tommy and he would be the mvp um with tucker peterson 
I definitely would have voted for him regardless. Uh, you know, a little bit of a down year, but still, he is the definition of consistency, and he's definitely somebody who should be receiving a D1 offer soon here. Um, and he's a hard worker, and he is, I mean, as clear a version of the brand that Roosevelt tries to paint. Uh, he's the definition of the brand that Roosevelt has over there. So there you go there. And then Ryan Kenny, I mean, he turned up against so many teams stepping into the starting role for the first time. And so, so many deserving players, but Marcellus Honeycutt Jr. and this George Washington team has done big things here. I, I'm going to throw it back four years ago, 2019-20 um, season here. They went 1-9 and nine in the 3A League, Mountain Metro League. Then COVID hit. George Washington, they would go ahead and play in the spring in that 4A North. They'd go 5-1, and one, not too bad, obviously, did their thing there, but, you know, COVID year. Then after that, uh, in 21-22, went 7-3 in the 3A Denver Prep League. You know, kind of a, a, a solid league and whatnot, but this year, they joined this league, the 3A League 6 here, and you got teams like Frederick, Mead, you got your Denver North, Riverdale Ridge, Niowa, obviously. But, you know, when you got to compete with the likes of Frederick and Meade, who are pretty much perennial powerhouses in 3A for your league, that's kind of crazy. You know, that's definitely kind of crazy. And George Washington, they went undefeated in league play here and winning that game against Frederick, a good team, by the way, uh, honestly went a long way in me deciding uh, that I'm going to vote for Marcellus Honeycutt Jr. here because he had an excellent game in the snow against a tough Frederick squad. And that goes a long way. You know, this George Washington program has come a long way since their 1-9 record back in 2019. And Marcellus Honeycutt, he is a senior this year. He's been a part of the process every single year. He's put in a lot of work. And he's a big reason why not only George Washington won their league, but a big reason why they are in the playoffs still now in the second round in arguably the toughest classification of football on the 3A level where so many teams are just equally talented. And so first things first, best of luck against Durango. That is going to be a very tough team to play. But regardless, I think he deserves this one here. He has, I mean, he's balled out, you know, uh, this season. And I think he's balled out when it matters too. So there you go. But Cody, what do you think about the 2022 3A MVP? Well, I want to take a little extra time to shout out all the candidates of this award who I think are all great guys, right? They're all very humble. They're all very driven. They're all very hardworking. And they've all kind of operated with some kind of chip on their shoulder and have overcome that, which is obviously very inspiring to see. And very just, you know, I, it makes me a fan of football. It makes me a fan of the game, a fan of the process, and is everything that I love about football in these guys. All obviously on very successful programs, very coachable. Uh, and, you know, I, I haven't done my rubrics on all these guys yet, but all of them are next level talents and probably Division One talents. I got to be honest, all these guys are D1 talents based off of what we show what we're what we were shown this year but I do know that for me at least it was probably between Celis and Tommy Paholsky. I was going back and forth 
and Celis is definitely deserving of this award. I mean, obviously, all of them are deserving of the reward with how the vote was split and whatnot. But uh, Celis here, he is somebody that turned up. Coach V obviously listened to my segment on the Frederick versus George Washington game, which go ahead and find that. Yeah, I think it was like it, it was the week 10 or no, no, week 11 recap. So go ahead and find that because that is probably the best game of football I have ever seen in my life. And Marcellus Honeycutt Jr. was the star of that show. Absolutely. It's hard to take over an entire game. And, you know, for Celis to do that, that means Frederick isn't running at him. They're not running play actions at him. They're not throwing his way on the defensive side of the ball. They were trying to kick it out of bounds, and he would go track it down and still return the kick. And, you know, it's a little bit hard to kick when it is absolutely freezing and blistering snow. I mean, there were whiteout-esque conditions at one point in that game, making for an instant Colorado Classic. And at the head of that and in this comeback win against Frederick was Salas Honeycutt Jr. doing everything possible for the Patriots here and who will continue to do everything possible. I'm pretty sure that's the game I will be making it out to is G-Dub and Durango. Uh, that would be coming out. The, that'll be happening the day after this episode's released. But yeah, this was one of the hardest ones so far as far as awards. And, uh, you know... I knew that it was going to be bittersweet because I was like, oh man, I could see any one of these guys winning this award. I'd love for any of these guys to win this award, but only one. There can be only one. And that one is Marcellus Honeycutt Jr. Excellent finalizing vote here, Coach V. Thank you. And I'm just going to throw this out because you did mention uh, that, you know, we're going to have to evaluate players for our top five senior series and all that all these guys i think are definitely in contention they're like very serious contention and in the past historically we've always had a couple of 3a players make it um i feel like a lot of people i don't know they got the belief like oh you know the best talent in colorado is on the 5a and 4a level no 3a football is definitely there there are definitely some 3a teams that will beat the Freaks out of a lot of 5A and 4A They literally teams. did this year even. Yes. They literally even did it yes. this year. Not just because, not just because, you know, they got more talent, but also I think the coaching is top tier. I think the coaching on this level, I mean, a lot of these guys have been developed over the years. And so I do want to shout out the 3A coaches. They're, they're some of the best, you know, and there are some very great uh, coaching battles that are going on in the playoffs and have went on these last couple of years and and the last thing i do want to say is all these guys i mean honestly if recruiters or college coaches or whoever ask me about any of these guys i would definitely vouch for all of them to play on the next level and be offered at least i know some of them are already committed uh well marcellus is the only one committed at this point but i mean i have no problem doing that the film doesn't lie their film is like absolutely sensational so it just sucks that they're all, you know, I mean, they got to compete against each other. That's part of the game. And uh, that's part of uh, this end of the year award series. So, uh, gosh, top five senior position lists are going to be brutal. <laughs> but we still have plenty of time before that. And on this episode, we still have one goose to cook. Isn't that right, Coach V? Yes, we got our all playmaker teams 
Uh, let me go ahead and introduce that real quick here. So our all playmaker team, similar to all state teams, but it is of the opinions of myself, Cody and Gideon. We go ahead and pick players that we feel like have stood out at each position and in each classification. Go ahead and look at some of our other lists for 1A and 2A here. And, you know, we just pick the best. We pick guys that we feel like deserve to be recognized. You know, we do these things to recognize the great players from this last season. And all these guys, I mean, they've competed and they've done their thing. And, I mean, there's no mistake for them being here we've deliberated and talked about pretty much all of these players and why they deserve to be here or not and all of that great stuff and so just across the board here you know we do have position limits so that you know there's not five million running backs and like one quarterback or anything weird like that uh like the all-state list for chassa by the way you know so we actually had to make some tough decisions because there were at least six or seven running backs that could have qualified qualified for our all playmaker list here so there you go. But I'm going to go ahead and go over the position limits real quick here. And then, Cody, if you want, you could introduce um, our all-playmaker team after I do that. But uh, we take two quarterbacks, two running backs, three receivers, one tight end, two offensive tackles here, just guys who play on the outside for most of the year. We take three interior linemen, whether it's guards, centers, whatever. As long as they play on the interior of the offensive line, we count three for that spot. Then we have two defensive tackles slash interior defensive linemen, two edge rushers, two linebackers. These are mostly middle linebackers here, not edge rushers. There is a difference, so there you go. Then we take three cornerbacks, two safeties, two kickers, and a punter. Cody, do you want to go ahead and announce the 3A 2022 All-Playmaker team? Yeah, and I mean, you could... This is why we do the position limits because it forces our hand into some tough spots. I mean, at quarterback, we got Riken Doggard and Tommy Poholski. No surprises there. You have an offensive playmaker of the year candidate and you have a most valuable playmaker of the year candidate. That makes sense. Running back was a, was a nightmare. I'm not even going to lie. Congratulations. Well, I'll, I'll start with the honorable mentions, honestly, just with people on the chopping block. Look, this is another thing that we do. Another stipulation that we have is you have to play at least eight games. So, you know, that unfortunately ruled out Bryson Malonga here. It made Amari Brown on that cusp here. So those two weren't able to make it. And then huge shout out to, I think, the number one honorable mention, Xavier Ramirez, our 1A offensive or our 3A offensive playmaker of the year winner here and that just shows you how stacked it is because our choices for all playmaker here were most valuable playmaker candidate ryan kenny and most valuable playmaker winner marcellus honeycutt jr at the running back position now at wide receiver this was a little bit easier to navigate you have lutherans joe ccio you have sierra's micah lumpkin here who you know really was a very bright spot for a program that had kind of a dim season and then mvp candidate tucker peterson durango's aj folk here not the only demon you're going to hear on this list then you have colin sturm of lutheran here colton patterson of green mountain continuing with that green mountain pattern here you have david ivies i want to say maybe it's just ives but David Ivey's here of Green Mountain. Then on the interior, you have a Roosevelt Rough Rider and Anthony Munoz. And a name that we talked about a little bit earlier in this episode, courtesy of Coach V, 
Joshua Bates, one of the best in-tier offensive linemen in the entire country. Coach V, I don't want to steal all of the thunder. I'll pass it to you to talk about our defense here. Yes, I'm more than happy to do that here. So at defensive tack at defensive tackle, we have Jirai Vaughn here, uh, obviously from George Washington. Then we have Eli Krozik, I wanna say. He is a I wanted to say Krawchuk. That can't be it because that's a C and Z there. Cody. <laughs> yeah, I thought that's what that does. I thought that's what that does. No, like Czechoslovakia? I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty sure like that's the Czech Republic? A, uh, sound. Eli, please let us know. But either way. Anyways, out of Summit, by the way. So there you go. Those are your two defensive tackles. Then on the edge, we have Dom Butts out of Severance, the senior. Uh, Elzar Valencia out of Roosevelt. At linebacker, this one was, oh my god, this, this one was sucked. tough, because um, there were just so many deserving guys here, but we went with Parker Steckel out of Northridge and Jack Johnson out of Evergreen. Uh, some honorable mentions, I do want to shout out Joshua Ayers, Lutheran, Jack Easterly, uh, I believe that is Northfield, and then Ryan Knudsen. I believe that is Roosevelt, I want to say there. So there you go. Then at cornerback, you know, this one was a little tough, but we went the three with the three best, obviously, with Jaden Marquez out of Northridge, Brian Doucette out of Roosevelt, and then Gabe Little out of Kennedy. He had like a million sacks at corner, which was insane. So there you go. And then at safety, we had Kyle Solowitz out of Evergreen, he played some corner, but, you know, we really watched the film. I watched the film, and he played a lot of safety, and so we're going to go ahead and label him as a safety. He's listed as a DB, so same deal. So there you go there. And then the other safety spot is Isaiah Palacio. Uh, I believe that is Roosevelt as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it is. Yes. And then at kicker, we have the freshman. Dylan Burns out of Durango. And then we have Samuel uh, Smolin, I want to say, out of Lutheran. By the way, this guy, Smolin, kicks like the most perfect onside kicks I've ever seen in my entire life. He must have kicked like six against Pueblo East, and they recovered like four of those, which is a pretty good... I mean, to even get one is insane. But he helped out that special teams for Lutheran a ton there. I believe he's the guy kicking. And then you have Jamari Childress, a punter, I believe, out of Lincoln. So he got plenty of work there. And then last but not least, we have our athlete position. Didn't mention that, but this goes to an athlete that plays both ways and is very well-deserving. Um, Low-key for us, it kind of helps us be a little bit more versatile and recognize more guys here. But... At athlete, we got Russ Woodward out of Evergreen. Absolute beast on offense, defense. He's a game wrecker. He's a big part of that Evergreen squad out there. Uh, has a couple D1 offers as well. So there you go. That is the all-playmaker team. A lot of guys we couldn't include here, um, unfortunately. But, you know, it is what it is. We really felt like this is the best out of the best on the 3A level here. And, Cody, I just want to talk about this offensive line first. This all-playmaker team offensive line on the 3A level is nasty. 
and they're big as they're huge as well. You know, we got some big boys here. <laughs> Colton Patterson, he's listed at 6'3", 220, and he's only a sophomore for Green Mountain. I believe he is one of the only underclassmen to ever make our all-playmaker team. And he is definitely not 220. He is probably bigger than that. And he is a nasty blocker. Same with Colin Sturm. Um, you got Joshua Bates. I mean, hey, just look at his film if you don't believe us that he's one of the best interior linemen in the entire country. He is. You know, this was a guy that was recruited by Lincoln Riley personally. Boomer Sumer, baby. And then when Lincoln Riley left, you know, he decided to go with Brent Venables over at OU's. And so he's sticking with them. He's doing his thing with them. And they're getting such a steal. He has the potential to be the next great OU lineman, if I'm being completely honest with you. Then you got David Ives out of Green Mountain. Another nasty blocker up front here. Um, he is, uh, hold up. I believe he is a junior as well. Jeez, man. <laughs> so he's young. This Green Mountain team is definitely young, but he's a nasty blocker up front. Then you got Anthony Munoz. He's been starting for a really long time here. I mean, he just controls the point of attack. This is a nasty offensive line. Cody, what do you think about that? And what do you think about this team altogether? Are there any other positions that you want to highlight here? I just think in the trenches, I feel bad for anybody who'd have to go against this all-playmaker team. Not only on the offensive line, and plus, you have like a rotational tackle here in Russ Woodward, who's like, he's huge, man. It When we met him, my neck was starting to hurt a little bit from looking up. He's like 6'6", six, six, like 250 at least. Like, I, he might even be bigger than that, but it doesn't look like he... He's lean, though. You know what I mean? And he moves well. So everyone on this line moves really well. Anthony Munoz, very, very agile uh, on that interior line. And, you know, you could say the same thing about the other guys here. And, you know, you go to the defensive line, drive on our 3A defensive playmaker of the year. He's also somebody that you could just throw at guard or tackle, and he would go get a ton of pancakes for you. Like, he's in that conversation. Dominic Butts, huge force here for severance has been for the past two years uh valencia here obviously going to be able to get pressures for you in the past game eli is dominant he has a variety of moves too honestly and like you're gonna be hearing some of these names in conversations for top five senior playmakers here and you know you put all of this beef here up front uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball and then you throw in a d1 commit like marcellus honeycutt jr you throw in a ryan kenny here out of lutheran who already knows how to run behind colin sturm you you line up joe cco outside and give tommy poholsky or riken dogger time to throw with this huge line dude they're <laughs> i'd be interested to try and even con like when we're doing our 4a playmaker list and our 5a playmaker list well i'd say more so our 4a playmaker list because 5a obviously has the outlier of cherry creek defense but i mean this is an offense that i think could probably score quite a few touchdowns on our 4a all playmaker team here and you need to put some respect on 3a for real for real not you coach v you and i know as does Gideon and Anthony <laughs> and the fans yeah but i mean i'm, I'm talking about the colorado audience here yeah, that and out-of-state audience as well. I'm going to be honest with you. 
this all playmaker team against uh, some of the best some other states around us has to offer. They they give them a run for their money. I'm going to be real with you. I'm, I'm just looking. First off, how are you going to guard this receiving core? You know, I know we only have three receivers, but we could take six, you know, if we really wanted to. But I'm just looking at Tucker Peterson, Joe Cicio, Michael Lumpkin. Those three guys are hard to guard. Peterson and Cicio, uh, very good route running. Lumpkin, he's a speedster out there as well. I haven't gotten to watch his film yet, but he is a great talent out there. And then just looking at the honorable mentions, that's not even including Ron Gallegos, the third out of Kennedy, who turned up. He was getting like triple teamed all year, but you know, he still did his thing, just barely missed out. You have Isaiah uh, Trujillo, the Pueblo East receiver. He's only a sophomore. He turned up when he could with his quarterback, Zayden Stevens. You have Aiden Lauer out of Littleton. He had some very good games. Saw him catch a really long touchdown against Conifer. You have Reese Pratt's another speedster uh, for Northridge. And then looking at tight end, I mean, I think this is a pretty underrated spot here. AJ Folk, obviously, he has turned up for Durango, but uh, someone who just, well, two guys who just missed out, Donnie Carney and Grady Forsyth, they've had very successful seasons as well. And so, oh, and then the running backs, Marcellus, Ryan, um, I mean, all these guys could catch the football as well as run it, you know, plus you have a great old line here led by Josh Bates. Golly, man, this is a stacked squad. I love watching 3A football here. And you know what, Cody, you know how I feel about baseball, but I watched the movie Moneyball the other day. And there's a line that, uh, what? That you name? watched Moneyball, oh, no, you didn't tell let me. me. Let me finish, let me finish. But there's a line one of the characters say, how could you not be romantic about baseball? For me, how could you not be romantic about football when you're looking at the 3A level here in Colorado, looking at all these great programs, all these great players. On top of that, it's not like these players' talents are getting wasted. There's such excellent coaching that are putting them in great positions to succeed. How could you not be romantic about 3A Colorado football? I just got to be honest with you. This is top-tier football, baby, and I love it. I'm here for it. I still can't. I'm still, I agree with everything you said. And like you said, even the honorable mentions here could still get it done. I mean, we left off Xavier Ramirez. We left out Bryson Malanga. We left out Amari Brown. Like, these are all guys that would still handle that work. You look at even at the offensive line. You know, uh, Cody Burkholder on both the offensive and defensive line is somebody who could also dominate against a plethora of talents here. Look, at the safety position, Silas Evans didn't quite make the list here, and he's also getting D1 looks and interest, so, you know. Well, he is going D1. He is going D1 to CSU. Yeah, so you have D1 talent on the 3A level. You have way overlooked D1 talent on the 3A level, and by golly, if it's not the most competitive and entertaining, the 10, the 10 seed and the 11 seed one. You know, in that first weekend of the postseason, the 14 seed one, like the gap between 1 and 14, I would probably say, yeah, 1 and 14 is really not that big. I mean, accord according to the literal score of the 1 seed versus the 14 seed this season, it's like two touchdowns, which is nuts. Versus you look at 1 versus even like, ah, like the 15 seed, it's like a 40 point difference in 
in other category in other classifications. So you're absolutely right. I love 3A. I remember I remember even looking back at the opening press conference from Chas at the Broncos Stadium. We were like, oh my gosh, 3A is going to be a nightmare this year. And it was. And by a nightmare, we mean a work of art. Absolutely. But a nightmare to coach and play in. I'm surprised that there's not more gray hairs on coaches in 3A football because of the amount of talent they have to coach against and with on a weekly basis. But, you know, they handle it. And boy, are they they are more qualified than most on uh, other qualification, uh, other classifications. But I digress here, Coach V. That is our all playmaker list and our end of the year awards as a small refresher in my best wh- what is it the um the the guys who auctioneer yeah auctioneer is the word i'm looking for here let's go ahead and just sprint through the award winners here dylan doyon was your 22 newcomer of the year for defensive playmaker of the year it was Jerry vaughn out of george washington high school for offensive playmaker of the year it was xavier ramirez out of roosevelt for the most valuable playmaker as decided by coach v at the last second was Celis honeycutt jr so that was our end of the year awards for the 3a level and then make sure to look out for our graphics on instagram and twitter at playmaker corner for twitter at playmakers corner for instagram as well as facebook for our all playmaker team go ahead and follow us on all there so you get notifications for all of our latest episodes through our episode covers and whatnot and to listen to other episodes make sure that you find us follow us like us on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, as well as anchor almost anywhere you listen to podcasts and make sure that you have your notifications turned on so you get notified of all of the latest content go ahead and find us on youtube as well and subscribe to us playmakers corner where we post episodes as well as old twitch streams we haven't been on twitch but still feel free to follow us on there as well and make sure to look to tiktok we're just on the day of this recording 11 15 i did post a tiktok of an exciting playoff game i attended between thunder ridge and arapaho so we post our highlights on there and you know as we get ready to turn into top five stuff we are also going to have tiktoks of our top five playmaker list our senior uh position list there i should say and make sure to stay tuned for tuesday recaps where we will catch you up on all the postseason action as well as the games that we went to and games from around the state as we will be attending multiple of those and on fridays for end of the year awards and then through december make sure to pay attention as we start our top five senior list series Coach V, am I missing anything? Well, it's not our highlights that we're posting on there. You don't want to see our highlights. It's the highlights of the teams by the athletes. Uh, Our uh, our edited clip shows of other people's greatness. Obviously, Coach V and I were not D1 athletes ourselves. Um, But, uh, you know. How? I, I didn't have anything after that. You you brought it up, not me. But uh, I've been one of your hosts, Cody Stopper. And I'm your other co-host, Simon Voyanos. And how could you not be romantic about 3A Colorado football? Love this level. We'll catch y'all later. <laughs>